5: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. That's all we got, right? There is no other choice. Uh, We are born uh, to live for a purpose, and that purpose is unique to us. Now, our purpose is all the same, I believe, to glorify God, but the way we do it. Is based on a lot of things. It's based on our gifts and our talents, based on our trauma and our drama, uh, based on our past, based on our thought process. Might I also suggest it is based on our influences, who or what influences us. And you know, in the circa 2022, as we're at now in America, in the world uh, at war with God, think about it. Uh this word influencers is a big terminology. Matter of fact, I was listening to something yesterday, or the day before, and I, I came in the middle of it and, and we were listening. This person said, if you have this many followers, you get paid twenty-eight thousand dollars per post. And, and I like looked at Val like, hold on, get ready. so someone posts something and they get twenty-eight thousand dollars per post post. And I goes, yep, you just got to be an influencer. You just got to have enough people following you. I'm like, that's stunning to me. As hard as I work uh, to make things work, uh, as much as we give, uh, we pour ourselves out. uh, We help other people that uh, don't want our help, that don't know they need help, that sometimes push us away from giving the help that we give them, all to influence them to be the best version of themselves. And if you think about it, we think of influencers in the dictionary defined way, right? By definition, an influencer is a person who guides or inspires the actions of others. And in 2022, influencer is also defined as a person who's able to generate interest in something by posting on social media. I think it was Billy Graham who said, any preacher worth his or her weight will have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. In other words, if your message doesn't deal with today's issues, then you're not going to influence people's behaviors and beliefs. And so today, I want to look at our personal influencers. I want to cover the topic controlling our social media. Why? Because if you've been listening to the news lately, you know that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. No, (laughs) just kidding. We know that, right? But you know that Elon Musk bought Twitter. Uh, and I'm going to use that as a launching point because, man, the liberals are freaking out. Uh, boy, never saw free speech under such attack, right? People are afraid that if you let people actually have free speech, then it's not free speech. And so today we got to figure out what we're influencing in some things uh, or what is influencing us and in some things that need to be put to rest. And so it kind of reminds me of a little story I heard.
4: And now story time with Mr. Black.
5: This is a story from Philip B. Childs. Donna's fourth grade classroom looked like many others I've seen in the past. Students sat in five rows of six desks. The teacher's desk was in front and faced the students. The bulletin board featured student work. In most respects, it appeared to be a typically traditional elementary classroom. Yet something seemed different that day there seemed to be an undercurrent of excitement. You see, Donna was a veteran small-town Michigan school teacher only two years away from retirement. In addition, she was a volunteer participant in a countrywide development project that I had organized and facilitated. The training focused on language arts ideas that would empower students to feel good about themselves and take charge of their lives. Donna's job was to attend training sessions and implement the concepts presented. My job was to make classroom visitations and encourage implementation. So I took an empty seat in the back, and I watched as everything unfolded. All the students were working on a task, filling a sheet of notebook paper with thoughts, with ideas. The 10-year-old student closest to me was filling her page with I can'ts. I can't kick the soccer ball past second base. I can't do long division with more than three numbers. I can't get Debbie to like me. Her page was half full and she showed no signs of letting up. She worked on it with determination and persistence. I walked down the road glancing at students' papers. Everyone was writing sentences describing things they couldn't do. I can't do 10 push-ups. I can't hit over the left field fence. I can't eat only one cookie. By this time, the activity engaged my curiosity. So I decided to check with with Donna to see what she was doing. As I approached her, I noticed that she too was busy writing. I felt it best not to interrupt. I can't get John's mother to come in for a teacher conference. I can't get my daughter to put gas in the car. I can't get Alan to use words instead of fists. I can't. I can't. I can't. Thwarted in my efforts to determine why students and teachers were dwelling on this negative I can't statement instead of the positive. I returned to my seat and continued my observations. Students continued right for ten minutes. Most filled their pages. Some started a second page. Finish the one you're on and don't start a new one, were the instructions Donna used to signal the end of the activity. Students were then instructed to fold their papers in half and bring them to the front. When students reached the desk, they placed their I can't statements into an empty shoebox. When all the student papers were collected, Donna added hers. She put the lid on the box, tucked it under her arm, and headed out the door and down the hall. Students followed the teacher. I followed the students. Halfway down the hall, the procession stopped. Donna entered the custodian's room, rummaged around, and came out with a shovel. With shovel in one hand and shoebox in the other, Donna marched the students out of the school, to the furthest corner on the playground and there they began to dig they were going to bury their eye can'ts the digging took over 10 minutes because most of the fourth graders wanted to turn when the hole approached three foot deep the digging ended the box of eye can'ts was placed at the bottom of the hole and quickly covered with dirt 31 10 to 11-year-old students stood around the freshly dug grave site. Each had at least one page full of I can'ts in the shoebox, three feet under. And so also did their teacher, Donna. At this point, Donna announced, boys and girls, please join hands and bow your heads. The students complied. They quickly formed a circle around the grave, creating a bond with their hands. They lowered their heads as Donna delivered the eulogy. Friends, we gather today to honor the memory of I can't. While he was with us on this earth, he touched the lives of everyone, some more than others. His name unfortunately has been spoken in every public building, schools, city halls, state capitals, and unfortunately, the White House. We have provided I can't with a final resting place and a headstone that contains this epitaph. He is survived by his brothers and sisters. I can, I will, and I'm gonna do it right away. They are not as well-known as their famous relative and are certainly not as strong and powerful yet. Perhaps someday, though, with your help, they will make an even bigger mark on the world. May I can't rest in peace, and may everyone present pick up their lives and move forward in their absence. As I listened to the eulogy, I realized that these students would never forget this day. The activity was symbolic and a metaphor for life. It was a right brain experience that would stick in the unconscious and conscious minds forever. Writing I can'ts, burying them, and hearing the eulogy, that was a major effort on the part of this teacher. And she wasn't done yet. At the conclusion of the eulogy, turned them and they marched right back in the classroom and had a wake. They celebrated the passing of I Cant with cookies, popcorn, and fruit juice. Donna cut out a tombstone from butcher paper. She wrote the words, I can't, at the top of the paper and put rest in peace in the middle. And the date was added at the bottom. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that need to be laid to rest. We must pay attention to what is influencing us and how we can influence others. If it's not in a positive way, we need to put it to rest. Today on Like It Matters Radio... We're going to talk about controlling our social media. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. Leadership
1: Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening.
3: I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness.
1: If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net and click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class in Minneapolis, June 30th through July 2nd. That's likeitmatters.net.
6: Sightseeing in Paris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
5: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am your blessed radio host, your radio life caddy, and you can call me Mr. Black. Today, we are talking about social media. You know, it's interesting, this whole terminology called social media. You know, I asked my wife to define me. What is social media? How would you define social media. Uh, And that's interesting because people are throwing around words all the time. They have no concept of what they mean. And one thing I've learned uh, a while back now is that there's a battle for our dictionary. There's a battle for our dictionary because people are arguing about words that they have not defined. Uh, That's one of the reasons why I do my daily blog where I send out scripture around the world uh, because I take scripture and I apply it. I break it down, what does this mean? Because when you are studying anything, context is important. You got to know what was said, who was it said to, why was it said back then, what did it mean back then, and then you bring it forward. What does this mean to me today? What's the lesson for me? Does it apply to me? Am I in it? And this is how you apply context. And so many people are throwing around words and phrases uh, and actually scripture and misappropriating it, misusing it, misapplying it. Uh, the perfect example is this is the day the Lord has created. I'll be happy and rejoicing. I think it's Psalm 118.24. I wasn't prepared to talk about that. But, you know, people quote that all the time about uh, this is every day is a great day the Lord has created. I'll be happy and rejoice in it. Now, technically, that's an accurate statement. But technically, Psalm 118.24 was written about a specific day. Not any day, not every day, but a specific day. And that day was the day that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on a foal, on a a donkey that had been unridden before. That was what Psalm 118.24 is about, that specific day. Yet we could say that this is the day the Lord has created. I'll be happy and rejoicing in any single day because you got God's permissive will at the least and hopefully God's preferred will. And so he gave you that day for a reason. But I want you to know it's misapplied. Because that is one time, Not this doesn't happen all the time, but there are times that when God says something, it's to a specific group of people at that specific time. It was not intended to be applied to everybody, but as we learn in scripture, all scripture can have value to everybody, even if it wasn't specifically wrote to a specific person. So social media. Social media, I got this from communications.tufts.edu, I like this definition social media refers to the means of interactions among people in which they create share or exchange information ideas in virtual communities in the amazing virtual communities that means communities that aren't really there they're kind of virtually set up and networks investopedia.com social media definition is, social media is a computer-based technology that facilitates the sharing of ideas thoughts and informations that's where i want to park That facilitates the sharing of ideas, thoughts, and information. That's what I was talking about. I think the quote was like uh, uh, if someone has a million followers or something like that, for each post they make on social media, they get paid something like $24,800. That's if you have followers. That's if you have people that you can affect. That's if you have people you can sway because you believe in something, because you like something, because you watch something or you use something. Then others want to do the same thing. You know, a wall every single human being possesses is wanting to be liked. And so we're talking about influencers here. So if we're going to talk about influencers, let's now, what does the word influencer mean? So influencer through, uh, think of Merriam-Webster, one who exerts influence, a person who inspires or guides the actions of others, a person who is able to generate interest in something by posting about it on social media. That's, again, incredible. Now, leaders question themselves. So leaders, we've got to judge. We've got to have discernment. The Bible tells us to have discerning between the spirits. Is this coming from God, or is this coming from man? Peter was told by Jesus, behind me, Satan, the words coming out of your mouth are not from my father, but from man. In other words, all you care about is the things of the flesh, and I'm wrapped up in the things of the spirit of my father. And so they were two different things. And in our leadership training, because I believe all leaders question themselves. God tells us to question ourselves. Uh, The greatest Christian who ever walked this planet, apart from Jesus himself, Paul the Apostle, told us to examine ourselves. Matter of fact, he said even examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith still. That's pretty deep examination, right? And so we gotta understand this as leaders. Number one, this is the truth, you gotta get leaders, people are watching, yeah. Now, I'm not talking about Joe Biden's deep state. I'm not talking about state-run media, Facebook, and used to be Twitter, right? But people are always watching. There's something called neuro conditioning, this goes to the base of all drivers because we are motivated individuals or demotivated individuals. We have all this life force, all this power, all this potential. But if we don't do something with it, it is wasted. It is lost. You got to get that. We must use it or we lose it. Don't you get it? We must use it or we lose it. We could influence people. And neuro-associative conditioning says that there are basically two primary drivers in life. Once you get beyond all the rigmarole, once you get all the, the, uh, the fancy titles and, the, and the, you know, the bows and the hats and the pretty scarves, once you get beyond all the fluff, you get down to the brass tacks, there are two driving forces in life. You're either moving toward something or you're moving away from something. And this is why your operating system needs to be clarified right at the beginning. Because there are only two operating systems. Keep it simple, soldier. You either got a flesh operating system or you got a God operating system. You either have an FOS or you have a GOS. You either believe that there's a God and you're not that God and that there are certain laws and rules that we are called to treat each other by and live by. Or you believe that you are God and you get to decide and that your world evolves around you. And whatever one you choose, that's fine. I mean, I'm not here to judge you. But w- there is a judge. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die one time and then comes a judgment. So you're either moving away from something or you're moving towards something. You're either emoted by a, a fear of pain and you're going to move away from that pain. Or a desire for pleasure. And you're going to move toward that pleasure. Why do I say this? Because people are always watching you need to get this. Why are they watching? They're using it as an example of what they would love to be like, in other words, move toward, or what they would never be like, move away from. There's Neurosocial Conditioning. I, t- I tell a story all the time, when my kids were little, Uh, when I was out with them, Faith and Christian I raised basically on my own with the help of friends, of course, but I was a single dad. Uh, And when the kids, when I was out with my two kids and other kids were acting up, I'd get my kids' attention. I'd point at those other kids and say, if you ever act like that, I will. And I never finished the sentence because my daughter, Faith, who's my oldest, would cut me off. I know, Dad. I know, Dad. She didn't want to hear it. It was so uncomfortable, the thought process, that she never even wanted to hear it. And see, this is the chance that we have to influence. And the show, I want to talk about what kind of things influence us. You know, I was listening to Pastor Erwin Lutzer. He's a pastor there in Chicago. And he tells a story from an eyewitness in Germany uh, during the Holocaust. He said, quote, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because we could not stop it. A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning, we could hear the whistle in the distance, and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sounds of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. And then the eyewitness shared with Pastor Lutzer, All through, although years have passed, I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. God forgive me. Forgive us all. All of us who called ourselves Christians and yet did nothing to intervene. You know, Martin Niemöller was born in the Westphalian town of Lippstadt, Germany. In 1910, he became a cadet in the Imperial German Navy. With the outbreak of World War I in 1914, Niemöller was assigned to a U boat, of which he was eventually appointed the commander. Under the stipulation of the armistice of November 11, 1918 that ended hostilities in World War I, Niemöller and other commanders were or- ordered to turn over their U-boats to England. Along with many others, Niemöller refused to obey this order and as a consequence was discharged from the Navy. In 1920, he decided to follow the path of his father became a minister. Niemöller enthusiastically welcomed the Third Reich. But a turning point in Niemöller's political sympathies came with the January 1934 meeting of Adolf Hitler. Niemöller and two prominent bishops came together to discuss state pressure on church. At the meeting, it became clear that Niemöller's phone had been tapped by the Gestapo. It was also clear that the pastor's emergency league, which Niemöller helped found, was under close state surveillance. Following the meeting, Niemöller would come to see the Nazi state as a dictatorship. He is probably best remembered for the following quotation. First, they came for the Socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a Socialist. Then they came for the Trade Unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a Trade Unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't learn from our history and the world's history, we are doomed to repeat it. What influences you and who do you influence? I'm Black. We'll be right back.
2: They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-786-2300. 800-786-2300. That's 800-786-2300.
7: We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us.
5: Like It Matters Inspiration, Education, and Application Day. We're talking about controlling our social media. Now, I'm not talking about Elon Musk. I'm not talking about the, um, man, the censorship that goes on at Facebook. I'm stunned at America that we have censorship, that if you don't think like the masses. You know, when I grew up, it was really simple that you could say anything, that one of the greatest freedoms in America is the freedom of speech. And we used to say a thing I heard all the time when I was younger I said, you can basically, your speech is protected, even hate speech is protected. And he would say something like, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded building because you would get in trouble for that because you would create a panic. But outside of that, it was said, you basically have the right. You can carry on your Nazi propaganda, your hate speech, and it's protected uh, by our free speech. I mean, the ACLU is known for defending people they disagree with, white supremacists and neo-Nazis and all that in the past. Not today, because now today it's all political crap. But back then, they would support people that we, we hate and disagree with. How can you say that, not, that people can propagate that Nazi propaganda? And they would say, well, it's because freedom of speech. Whether you agree with it or not does not matter. And, ladies and gentlemen, what we got to realize is just like America's doing it and freedom of speech is no longer acceptable, we've got to start going into our own system. We got to start going into our own social media. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about our head. We have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Think about that. You call it thinking, thinking is nothing more than self talk. And a majority of depression falls in a category called situational depression. And what causes situational depression is our self-talk, our thought process. Matter of fact, I talk about this, uh, this study of um, science called epigenetics, EPI genetics, epigenetics, Dr. Caroline Leafs wrote a few good books, uh, Who switch Off My Brain, Turn On Your Brain. She wrote a couple of other ones. Uh, Bruce Lipton, about a dozen years ago, wrote a bestseller called, um, what was it called? Uh, Biology of Belief, I think. Yeah, Biology of Belief. Uh, and he's a, he's a uh, um, um, you know, I don't think he's a follower of the God of the Bible. He's a microbiologist. He's a Darwinist. And yet he told us, a quote, that we've thought for years, decades, uh, that the nucleus drove the cell. He said, we're wrong. He said, what drives the cell is the cell membrane. And so he said, technically, this is basically a quote, that we are nothing more than a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest environment that we have is in our head, between the stimulus and the response. Why? Because Dr. Viktor Frankl told us, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power, it is our freedom. See, Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Who Switched Off My Brain, makes this statement, and it should wake up every able-minded leader. Quote, research shows that around 87% of all illnesses can be attributed to our thought life, and approximately 13% to diet, genetics, and environment. Studies conclusively link more chronic diseases, known as lifestyle diseases, to an epidemic of toxic proportions in our culture. These toxic emotions can cause migraines, hypertension, strokes, cancer, skin problems, diabetes, infections, allergies, just to name a few. Despite all the marvels of modern high-tech medicine and decades of innovative research, these illnesses are increasing worldwide. That's a clarion call, ladies and gentlemen. And as I deal with successful people around the globe, I am amazed at how we all struggle similarly. We live in a world that is living in their head, a world in deep thought, meeting and discussing and thinking. But consider what is thinking, right? It's talking to ourselves. It's self-talk and large parts of depression, as I said, can be traced back to the way we talk to ourselves. That's why we got to control our social media. 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. I don't care how active you are on Facebook or Twitter or all these other garbage things, TikTok. You're not going to see thirty to 60,000 things in a day. That shows you the power of what happens between the stimulus and the response. It's a simple pattern. It's an identifiable pattern if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Right? You got to understand that. See, I was sharing an article I think a week ago or two weeks ago, a stunning article. that says, Why American Teens Are So Sad. It was in The Atlantic. It was by Derek Thompson. Uh what was the date? I don't remember the date on it. Oh uh, there it is. Uh 422. April twenty two, if you look it up. It's Atlantic. And here's that gives four reasons why children are so sad, so depressed. And let me read you the fourth one. Fourth. Modern parenting strategies. Parents, we have lost our role of developer and grower of children. We are the biggest influencer on our kids. Our family of origin issues stay with us for decades, even when we want to get rid of them. The Bible says, uh, raise up a child in the way of the Lord, and they'll always come back to it. You know why? Because everything we do or do not do is driven by belief system. And Dr. Al- I think his first name is Alfred, Alfred Adler, famous psychologist, famous psychiatrist. He worked with children. And he said, by the time a child is five years old a majority of their map of reality is in place. In other words, the basic belief system, why do you think the world wants to get to your kids? Why do you think the school union wants the right to talk to your kids about being homosexual, about being transgender, about gender dysphoria? Why? Because they now know. I'm reading the book, or I should say listing the book, stunning by Aldous Huxley called Brave New World. It was written in the 1930s, almost 100 years ago, and it's stunning that what he's writing about, you think 1984 is impressive about the future and we're living it, you ain't seen nothing yet. Go to Brave New World, revisited by Aldous Huxley, and stunned at how the social engineering he talked about, stunned by how we train people, how we precondition people, how we predestine people. And that's why this whole CRT is so evil. Because it is predestining people. It is programming our kids. This is why they want to teach our kids at five years old that you might be a boy, but you might really be a girl. That it's okay to be gay. That it's okay to want to be a different sex. That it's okay. They're getting them when they're young because the belief system. And, man, I would highly recommend you listen to the book or read the book by Aldous Huxley called A Brave New World. It would stun you. It would absolutely blow your mind because it has such a huge impact on us. It's stunning. And so it says right here, in the past 40 years, American parents, especially those with a college degree, have nearly doubled. The amount of time they spend coaching, chauffeuring, tutoring, and otherwise helping their teenage children think about this. The economist Valerie Ramey has labeled this the rug rat race. High-income parents in particular are spending much more time preparing their kids for a competitive college admissions process. When I interviewed Ramey about her works in 2019, she told me that she couldn't believe the amount of pressure our friends were putting on their kids to get ready for college. The, quote, rug rat race is an upper class phenomenon that can't explain the generalized increased in teenage sadness. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we, we hear about this, um, you know, institutionalized racism and you don't believe it. It is. You look at Washington, D.C. You know what Washington, D.C. is? It's where all of our government officials, people who work in government live. Do you know what percentage of Washington, D.C. is registered Democrat? Look it up. 95%. 95%. How about Fairfax, Virginia, which is a, 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 a basically a, a bedroom community, if you will, for the D.C. people? It's something like 90%. That's where all this stuff's going on in Fairfax County with all these woke people and attacking the school districts and attacking parents that want to come out and talk about their kids, attacking them like they have no place that the government decides how your kids are run. This is the brave new world you got to get this. Uh, In a 2020 Atlantic feature, What Happened to American Childhood, Kate Julian described a related phenomenon phenomenon that affects families a bit more broadly. Anxious parents in seeking to insulate their children from risk and danger. Listen, anxious parents. So here the parents are anxious. Their thought process is terrible. And now they're seeking to protect their kids from risk and danger. And they're unintentionally transferring their anxiety to their kids. First, children are growing up slower than they used to be. Now, when I heard this, I'm like, that's not true at all. Listen, children are growing up slower. Now, they're growing up faster, but listen what she means by slower. Today's children are less likely to drive, get a summer job, or be asked to do chores. So true. It's a dichotomy. They're growing up faster because of social media. They're looking at pornography now at seven years old. Uh, They're basically learning from TV But they're not growing up fast, they're growing up slow, they're not learning how to be grown-ups till later, maybe never. Jillian wrote that these activities provide children with two very important things, right? When they had to do dishes, they had to scrub dishes, they had to take out the trash, they had to be disciplined. If they talked back, they got in trouble, right? So they say we're not giving children two important things. We're not teaching them how to tolerate discomfort and having a sense of personal competence. And secondly, researchers have noted a broad increase in accommodative parenting style. If a girl is afraid of dogs, an accommodation would be keeping her away from every friend's house with a dog. Or if a boy won't eat vegetables, feeding him nothing but turkey loaf for four years. These behaviors come from love, but part of growing up is learning how to release negative emotions in the face of inevitable stress. If kids never figure out how to do that, they're more likely to experience severe anxiety as teenagers. I use the same example with my kids. My two oldest kids I raised by myself, they dealt with Mr. Black. It was tough. It was rough. I loved them, provided for them incredible things. My two oldest kids, nothing can get to them. That You can't shake them. But my two younger kids, Benaiah and Major, who were raised heavily with the influence of their parents, of their mother instead of their father because of court, big difference. My, those two kids are more of snowflakes. Everything gets to them. Everything makes them struggle. Everything, they can freak out. They can lose it if I raise my voice. And ladies and gentlemen, we got to be careful. What type of influence are we having to those that are following us? If people are looking at you, watching you, would they use you as an example of what they would love to be like, or would they use you as an example of what they'd never want to be like? Today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about the social media and the influence it has on those around us.
1: If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net and click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class in Minneapolis, June 30th through July 2nd. That's likeitmatters.net.
6: Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Did you know that the Freedom 1570 mobile app can do more than just stream your favorite shows? Here's cool feature number one. You can set an alarm on the app that will automatically start streaming Freedom 1570 at whatever time you decide. It's easy. Just open the menu in the upper left-hand corner, select alarm, and choose a time. You can set it to wake up with Matt Ray or any of your favorite hosts. Download the free Freedom 1570 app today.
2: TheFishTwinCities.com is streaming your favorite contemporary Christian artists like Matthew West, Toby Mac, For King and Country, and many more. Stream along at TheFishTwinCities.com, download the free app, or listen on your Amazon smart speaker.
3: Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For
1: probably two-thirds of my
5: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black. And we are going to be in Las Vegas in three weeks. We have a leadership awakening class. we still got about four spots left. Uh, You can go to likeitmatters.net and check it out. Two and a half days, that will rock your world. You have to be in Vegas Thursday, uh, May 12th. Uh, you should be there by three p.m. and then you'll be done Saturday by five p.m. and your life will be different. Uh, after that, June ninth, we're in Los, uh, we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, and the end of June we'll be back in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Will be uh, June thirtieth uh, through July second. We'll be in Minneapolis. It looks like uh, we're going to be adding a new city to our uh, travels, and we're going to be adding Detroit, Michigan. We've been requested by a large winter tending company to bring our training out to Detroit. So sometimes, probably the third week in July, we will be in Detroit, Michigan. Go to likeitmatters.net to find out how you can live your life like it matters. 48 hours, I guarantee you, will change your life forever. And before the break, I was uh, talking about an article, Why American Teens Are So Sad. And uh, it's from The Atlantic, and they give four reasons. And one of them, the fourth reason I agree with is modern parenting strategies. And we are, we are not preparing our kids for success. I want to finish the thought. Uh, the writer of the article, name is Julian. Julian highlighted a new treatment uh, out of Yale University's Child Studies Center called Space. S-P-A-C-E, and it stands for Supportive Parenting for Anxious Childhood Emotions. Put simply, space forces parents to be less accommodating. Did you hear that? We live in a world that wants to accommodate every fear, every phobia, every trauma, every drama. We're creating snowflakes. Our enemies are not afraid of us. All you gotta do to forty percent of the population is say trump and they shake and clutter and they curl up cathartic and crawl into a ball and can't function. I mean it's just absolutely crazy. I learned as a kindergartner, sticks and stones may break my bones but words may never harm me. Nah na 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 na, right? So space forces parents to be less accommodating. Do you hear that? We don't need more accommodating government. We don't need more accommodating parents. We need parents that toe the line, that have standards. Uh, We need a government that teaches again that you have to create it yourself. That if you fall down, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you hit it again. If you fall down again, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you hit it again and again and again and again. The good book says, a righteous person will stumble seven times but get back up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. So what space forces, that's so funny, space force, space forces parents to be less accommodating. Quote, if the person is afraid of dogs, then encourage that person to play with young puppies. If the boy hates vegetables, caramelize the heck out of some broccoli. This sort of advice is infinitely easier to type than to put into practice. But folding a bit of exposure therapy, that's what's called exposure therapy, into modern parenting and childhood might help teenagers grapple with a complex and stressful world. And incredible? And by the way, one study found that a sixth of the increase in suicides associated with parental opioid addiction. Again, ladies and gentlemen, our kids are watching. And what are they watching? They're watching what we do. They're watching how we interact with people. They're watching what we do versus what we say. Remember, 75 to 95% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our thought life. What we think about affects us physically and emotionally. It's an epidemic of toxic emotions. The average person has somewhere between 30 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And through an uncontrolled thought life through social media that 's what it is it 's stuff that 's playing in our head over and over and over that 's what social media is. We have thirty to sixty thousand thoughts per day. We have excabytes of information going through our head every single day, and there 's no one at the door there 's no one being a gatekeeper. That needs to be you when something 's uncomfortable, we need to do it to get better at it that 's what my leadership training is. It puts you in a fiery furnace. It teaches you how to overcome. It teaches you how to have self-confidence. You can't read a book and get self-confidence. You can't listen to a great speaker speak about self-confidence and get it through his orations. You must live it. You only get self-confidence in the arena of life, in the fiery furnace. And through an uncontrolled thought life, we create the conditions for illness. We actually make ourselves sick. Research shows that fear all on its own triggers more than 1,400 physical and chemical responses. 1,400. And now we're told to fear white people. We're told to fear Christians. I mean, think about it. Talk about words being redefined. Remember, language is the basis for all we understand. Words play a powerful role in determining context and meaning. And every language is in a constant change of evolution, a state of evolution, I should say, as words are added or replaced in the lexicon, and also as the definition of meaning of words gets altered. Think about this. In recent years, there's been a subtle but profound shift in the meaning of many words that have historically defined our view of life, of sin. How about this? Morals. Remember the word morals where we used to talk about morals? Now it's been softened to mean values. So it's not about morals anymore. It's about values. And remember when character used to matter? Remember Dr. King says all that matters is character? And now since George Floyd, we learned that character doesn't matter at all. All that matters is how you die. If you're a black person and you get killed by a white cop, then your family gets rich. I mean, think about this. The Palestine Liberation Organization, ISIS, they pay the families of suicide bombers lots of money. That suicide bomber knows they're going to blow themselves up and die. Hopefully Allah will find favor in their action and grant them paradise. But you know what they do know? is their family's going to become wealthy, that their family's going to be taken care of for the rest of their lives. You know what that reminds me of? George Floyd and all these people, Michael Brown, and all these families that became millionaires. And it happens more and more every day. Black people are told that cops are hunting them. Black people are told that life's not fair. Black people are told that you're a victim. Black people are told that the white man's out to get you. Police are out to kill you. And so now it just happened today again. Someone gets pulled over the black, so they take off running, run over a cop, shoot a cop, kill a cop. And if they're lucky, they get killed. Why? Because then their family will get millions of dollars. I know it sounds crazy, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. Character has been softened to mean now lifestyle. Principles have simply become preferences. Confession has been turned into catharsis or liberation. You know, in 1967, psychiatrists Thomas Holm and Richard Rock examined the medical records of over 5,000 medical patients as a way to determine whether stressful events might cause illness. Patients were asked to list a tally of 43 life events based on a relative score. A positive correlation of .0118 was found between their life events and their illnesses. The results were published as the social readjustment rating. S-R-R-S scale, known more commonly as a Holmes and Raw stress scale. Ra carried out a study in 1970 testing the validity of the stress scale as a predictor of illness. The scale was given to 2,500 U.S. sellers, and they were asked to rate scores of life events over the previous six months. Over the next six months, detailed records were kept of the sailors' health. Again, listen carefully. There was a 0.118 correlation between stress scales and illness, which was sufficient to support the hypothesis of a link between life events and illness in conjunction. Did you hear that? That's so important. Why? Because we have the spirit of offense everywhere now. And by the way, just let you know the list, death of a spouse, number one. Divorce, number two. Marital separation from mate, number three. Detention in jail or other institution, number four. Death of a close family member, number five. Major personal injury or illness, number six. Do you see how the the pandemic dealt with most of those top six? Being fired at work, marital reconciliation with retirement for major change in the health or behavior of family member, sexual difficulties. These are in the top 12. And this is what's been going on. Why does that matter? Because we're living in a time where everything's offense. It's called the spirit of offense. There's a cycle of offense. We get offended by people knowingly or unwillingly. And then it becomes this huge, big offense. And then if that person doesn't know they offended us, it's even a bigger offense because then we call it privilege. And now we got little terms now. They're called dog whistles. That now a term offends somebody. Now looking a certain way offends someone. Just voting for Trump shows that you're a hateful person. You're bitter. And so now because of the 1619 Project, because of CRT, because of the progressive left-wing social media telling you that white people are evil and black people are victims, it is creating all this anxiety, all this stress. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to control what becomes part of your experience. Not only do you got to control what goes in, what do you listen to. What do you read? What we watch? But you also got to control of what you hold on to. If I had a back-in-time machine and I was Michael J. Fox and I could go back to a little mini-me, I would give that little me one piece of advice. Be careful what you allow in your head and be careful what you keep in your head. That's what I help you do is clean that up. You are under construction on the Like It Matters Radio Network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you. When you live your life like it matters, it does.
4: Make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come by traveling to Israel. This year. Sign up today for the thrill and excitement of visiting the Holy Land this November with nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details and to register. On the tour, you'll step into history with mouth-watering cuisine, picturesque scenes, and magnificent people, while visiting over 40 iconic sites and sacred places you've only read and heard about for years. Pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, float in the mineral-rich Dead Sea, and take a boat onto the middle of the Sea of Galilee as you experience something transforming in your life. Call 855-565-5519 to reserve your spot. Again, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to book your trip today.